Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Week 14 Sunday Scaries Pod, brought to you by Roman. I'm your co-host Cody Darick, joined out in Chicago by my brother Tyler Darick. Tyler, what a day! What a day of football. 49ers, great win over the Saints, some other really good games. We were excited for the slate this weekend, and I think it lived up to the hype. Even games we didn't talk about, Bucks, Colts, that was a really good game. So it was a great uh, weekend of football in general with college as well. Mm-hmm. IU uh, punched a bit to the Gator Bowl. Congratulations to IU football. It's on January 2nd. It's really late, um, so I, I don't know if that's good or bad, but they get to play Tennessee, who's a – you know, SEC team. So if you're able to win that, win the first bowl game in over 20 years, it's definitely a successful season. Yeah, no, not bad for the Hoosiers. And Tyler, for me, this is the best NFL Sunday I've had all week. All, not all week, sorry, all year gambling-wise. My lock of the week still very much at play, obviously, going into Sunday Night Football, the over on this game. But you know what, Tyler? I'm going I'm to jinx this one. I'm looking at an undefeated day right now. Oh, wow. Congrats to you. I tweeted out this morning that I was feeling great about my plays today. And through the early games, they were doing pretty well. I lost a teaser on Texans-Browns. Texans just dropped an egg. We'll, we'll talk about that later, I think. And then I had a lot riding on 49ers, as I texted you last night, that I was very confident they were going to win. And I don't usually 
bet on the 49ers just because I'm stressed enough, but luckily they won and that that uh, was successful for me. Yeah, it wasn't bad. We also we let's just talk about this Texans game real quick. Get it out of the way. I mean, if anyone's still alive in the survivor pool, which I imagine there's no one, but if there is, that's a game that lost it for you. Uh, the Broncos just came in and uh, drew Locke. A little, little bit of hype there that that they may have found their guy, and just a very, very classic Bill O'Brien uh, coach game that they beat the Patriots last weekend. Um, at home, everyone giving them a ton of love, and they lay an egg this weekend with the Titans coming up next week. Um, so the Texans stay true to their brand at all times. I said to you, you're like, oh, I have this teaser. What's going to blow it up? And like, you, you know, the Texans are going to lose this game. You're like, the first play of the game, Cortland Sutton's going to be, they're going to flash it on red zone. He's going to be running down the field 70 yards. It wasn't Cortland Sutton. You weren't far off, though. Some random tight end on the Broncos. I think Noah Fant. Um, so that was, that was tough. But you called it, at least. You did call your loss. You called your shot. Yeah, um, just typical fashion of me to put in a bet and know it's probably going to lose. And I was right. <laughs> Noah, Noah Fant, uh, first-round pick. He had a really a good game drew lock you know it's only been two games but he's looked good and watching him play like he just he looks like he's like 17 he looks like a teenager in high school and it's like crazy that you know people are younger than me now playing in the nfl it makes me a little sad um but oh, yeah he played well in, in the texans fan. texans dropped an egg and like you said it's so typical when people start to believe in this team are they for real they play a game like this, and you're just like, they're just the same same old Texans. Yeah, same shit, different year for them. Um, but Tyler, since you lost your lock of the week, mine is still at play, I'll let you do your Sunday scariest moment first. Is that okay with you? Thank Sounds good. It's my Sunday scariest moment is actually going to college football. It's uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. They got whooped yesterday in the SEC championship by LSU. They got eliminated from the playoff. Um, and if you're a Georgia fan, you have to be kicking yourself because their only loss during the regular season was at home to South Carolina, who's not a very good team. And if they had gone into yesterday undefeated, I think regardless win or loss, they would have made the playoff. But since they lost that game to South Carolina, they get eliminated. And I looked at the box score from that game. Georgia had 12 more first or 14 more first downs in them, almost 200 more yards of total offense. Um, they had three sacks, but the big difference in that game is turnover. So if you're a Georgia fan, losing that game at home, you have to be kicking yourself because that inevitably got you out of the playoffs. And also Ohio State made it with Justin Fields, who was at Georgia last year. And you have to think Georgia would be a lot better with Fields than Jake Fromm. So rough weekend for Georgia. And it feels like they've just been in the same spot the last few years, losing to Alabama and now to LSU. Yeah. I think that game was never even close. Um, do you want to give your coach O take as well? Since you were, you're a little bitter about that this morning when we were talking on the phone. Yeah. First, first <laughs> point, the first play of the game, Georgia got the ball. They did play action from throws a really nice deep ball receivers open, goes right through his hands. I knew after that the game was over. So typical Georgia. And all I said to you this morning was, I think you took it out of context, but mm. all I said to you was, Coach O is getting so much credit, but he doesn't he doesn't call defensive plays. He doesn't call the offensive plays. This team took the next step this year because they brought in this offensive uh, coordinator who was with the Saints. And now he's there, and he's incredible, and he's turned around that offense and the defense has been up and down, but they played well yesterday. Um, but I was just saying, I'm so tired of. Coach O getting all the love 
the coordinator should be getting the love. They do everything. Okay, sure. But LSU look great. They oh go Tigers, go Tigers. <laughs> they roll. They continue to just destroy everyone in their path. And I mean, yeah, good for Justin Fields and also good for um, Jalen Hurts transfer from Alabama to Oklahoma. They get in as the four seed, and Alabama sitting at home watching it. And um, obviously, Tua gets hurt. You never know if he's healthy. What actually happens there, but. Good for good for those guys. It's got to be pretty rewarding feeling, satisfying knowing that they transfer. They kind of bet on themselves, and it pays off. Um, so that's a college football talk. That's more than I think I kind of budgeted for in my head for six minutes here. But let's bring this back to the NFL, week 14. Um, my Sunday scariest moment has got to be all the Jimmy G haters watching today's game, Tyler. Um, I think this will serve as a nice little segue into our breakdown of the 49ers Saints game. But the 49ers were 10 and 2 coming into this game. Um, they had a nice comeback when they were down two, two scores versus the Cardinals. Again, it's Cardinals, but Jimmy G played great in that game, brought them back. He's had flashes in, in big games where he's looked great, but largely a lot of a lot of media contingent have Still been a little skeptical about him. Will he hold the 49ers back? Is he a game manager? Um, he, he throws too many interceptions. Booger, I hope he was watching that game. He was quick to hate on the 49ers. And they showed a graphic today that surprised me during the game. Um, that he's actually thrown the most passing touchdowns in the NFL since week eight. And he continued doing the impressive performance we've seen i mean he didn't play amazing last week in baltimore he was like solid versus the packers but that game got out of hand pretty quickly but 49ers were punched in the mouth today um they were down 13 a couple times in the first half and he stayed calm and he was unbelievable and obviously led them down the field in late in the game for the go-ahead drive when they're down one um, with 53 seconds, three timeouts. He leads them down. Kittle had an incredible catch. Um, but you're looking at his numbers now. He's like coming into this game, he had a 69% completion percentage. He'd thrown for 21 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And Tyler, at this point, like I don't, I don't know what you could really say if you are a Jimmy G hater. I think you're just kind of silenced. What a glorious time for him to play like this in this game versus the Saints. As I told you, one of my friends on Friday was trying to say that Jimmy G was in the top half of the league quarterback, that guys like Josh Allen, uh, Baker Mayfield, and Jacoby Brissett were all better than him. Uh, safe to say I was pretty pissed when he was saying this. Um, so this was glorious for me to happen. And like you said, what more do people need to see that? They got down 13 twice in this game versus a good Saints defense in the Superdome, and he stayed calm, and he manufactured drives, and they just kept rolling on offense. So it's a great game for him. Um, and the defense in the game obviously didn't play well. They gave up 46 points. But Nick Bosa, uh, I thought, had a really good game individually. He made some really big plays. They were down 27-21 and 21 in the first half. They had a third and one. And Sean Payton, just a gift from the gods, brings Taysom in. Taysom Hill at quarterback when Breeze is having a great game. Latavius Murray ran the ball really well. He only had seven carries. He averaged nearly 10 yards a carry. He brings in Taysom Hill. They run some sweep play, and Bosa just blows it up. They get the – it's a loss of six. Uh, Saints end up punting. 49ers scored before half, and they were up one at halftime, and it was like, oh, my God, like, how are they winning? Because it felt like the Saints were dominating the first half. 
Um, and then Bosa also on a, I think it was a third down had that bad mm-hmm. added play on the screen. And we talked about this, I don't know if it was last week or a couple weeks ago, but Kamara is he, he still has to be hurt. He does not look like the same player. He's been his first two years in the league and they still don't use him enough or correctly, I think, but he, there has to be something wrong. He just does not look like the same guy out there. A hundred percent agree. There's just something like missing there. It seems like with him this year, like it's just not the same explosive element that we've grown accustomed to out of him. Um, But they rely so heavily on Michael Thomas and he's just been, I feel like kind of underrated this year. The Saints have obviously been one of the top seeds in the NFC all season, but week in, week out, he continues to put up massive numbers, and there's kind of seems like there's nothing you can do defensively. He had 11 catches, 134 yards, and a touchdown today. Uh, he's almost impossible to cover. It seems like first half the 49ers were playing off him. It seemed like second half they started getting up on him, and it worked sometimes. And, I mean, at the end of the day, he got his. Um, but, yeah, this – this game felt like the 49ers and Saints have had some epic games in the past decade. Uh, the Ahmad Brooks penalty game where they had that brutal loss and obviously the playoff game in 2012 uh, when Vernon Davis caught the ball over the middle from Alex Smith. That was a back-and-forth game. Felt similar to this, and this really was a playoff game. The 49ers have had on this stretch here um, – between the Seattle game on Monday night um, and and last week's game, Baltimore, and, and this game versus New Orleans, just a handful of games that feel like absolute heavyweight title fights. Um, and the fact that they were down 13 and kind of showed that medal and didn't get rattled. And like you said, the fact that they're up at the half was absolutely insane. Like, I just didn't know how it happened. And I want to give George Kittle credit. He's playing with a broken bone in his ankle. Um, I don't know how serious that is like, but like to an everyday person, like at face value is playing with a broken ankle. Literally he's their most important player. He's an incredible pass blocker. He sets every or run blocker. He sets everything up and just on that fourth and two play when the, well, let's actually go back a second when the saints go up, right? The 49ers are driving up to in the fourth quarter, trying to put the game away. It's second and five. They're inside uh, New Orleans, about 25 or so. And Shanahan gets a little cute, a little uh, Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl cute. Instead of just running the ball, dials up a play action. Jimmy G gets sacked. I think it's a loss of like 11. Um, And they're essentially at that point a first down away from icing the game. Now they end up getting the field goal and – The Saints drive the length of the field. There's kind of a questionable Richard Sherman penalty call that they always call. It was a little stupid by him. No, Um, that wasn't wasn't on that drive. That was when they were up nine. Oh, sorry. You're right. You're right. Um, But we have the kill Witherspoon, the dropped interception, um, which Thomas falls out of the break, and he has a chance. And, like, those plays, I don't blame the cornerbacks as much because he's not really looking for the ball, and then it's on him. But you have the chance to intercept the ball. Traquan Smith scores a touchdown. I'm sick on my couch, just slumping into it, being like we're really going to have three losses by seven points this year to the Saints, Seattle, and Ravens. And, like, is this really – we're really going to be a 5 seed? This is all really happening. Um, and fourth and two – and George Kittle just like a simple screenplay, but 
he get he's an absolute monster on yards after the catch. Since 2018, only Christian McCaffrey has more yards after the catch than George Kittle. And he Tyler, he's getting his head ripped off by this cornerback on the Saints for 15 yards from the 45 to the 30. And he just keeps carrying him. And at the end of the play is like chin guard is in his nose. His helmet's getting ripped off and he just keeps going. I absolutely love that man. Um, and thank God Robbie gold made the field goal. Cause I would have just, um, yeah, that would have been tough, but he made the field goal and, and they win. And it, this is an instant classic NFL network. We'll be playing replays of this game for years to come. 94 points, almost 1,000 total yards in this game. And the 49ers win as an outright two-and-a-half-point dog. And we both made some money on it. Yeah, absolute classic. Like I was telling you and our dad earlier, this was just an overall amazing game. Anyone watching it would enjoy it. But if the 49ers had lost, I could never watch the highlights because I would just be sick to my stomach knowing this felt like a game... At least the way the second half was going, I thought they should have won. And going into it, I was confident. But you knew on the last play what makes Kittle so amazing. Like, the Saints know the ball is going to Kittle. You know, Sanders had a good game. Debo had another good game. But, like, their money guy is Kittle. And to know he's getting the ball and he still gets open. And then the, the run after the catch, like you said, that's what makes him so great. And as I said two weeks ago, he should be in the MVP conversation. I'm not saying he should win it or be, you know, top three, but top seven, top 10. That's how valuable this guy is with his run blocking. You know, Doug Gottlieb would say he's not a great blocker. That just shows Doug Gottlieb's an idiot and doesn't watch the 49ers. Mm -hmm. Um, He's by far the best tight end blocking tight end in the league. And he's so valuable and plays like this, the, the yards after catch. And I was watching, they had the highlights on NBC before, and he catches it, and he's around midfield. And a lot of guys at that point would just run out of bounds with the time of the game and the situation. He had one guy in front of him. He just goes through him. And as you said, he's getting his face mask ripped off for 15 yards, gets it down to around the 25. They tack on the penalty. And then the 49ers are basically inside the red zone. And they ran it once, called timeout, kneeled in then. You know, I was nervous. Uh, Robbie Gold hasn't been great this year, and he's hurt. But luckily, he made it, and they come away with a huge win. And this three-game stretch we talked about, all teams over 800 winning percentage going into it. And they went 2-1. and one. I think that was definitely what we wanted, and it happened, and they showed they're legit. So all the people that were down Garoppolo, down the 49ers, like, what else do you need to see? This team is legit. The defense obviously didn't play great today, but I think it's one of those games where it just gets into a shootout and everything just kind of goes out the window. But a great win, and now they're 11-2. and th- or 11 and, 11 two, and, two. and they con- Yeah, and they control their own destiny to get the one seed still. It, it's unfortunate, you know, that Seattle has kept winning, but they control their own destiny, and I think they're more than capable of winning the rest of their games uh, on the slate. Mm-hmm. And it uh, just an unbelievable game. And like you said, they we kind of needed them to go at least two and one during this stretch. And they won the two they had to win versus NFC opponents where these tiebreakers over the Packers and the Saints hopefully will end up getting them over the hump and, and the overall one seed in the NFC and having the road to Miami go through uh, Santa Clara. So, and yeah, yeah and one, is, is there and any, one anything, anything more you want to say? Yeah, and then I think, I guess it was kind of controversial, the fake punt play the Saints did. Fourth and 18, they snap it to Taysom Hill. Of course, he has to touch the ball in the most critical situations for the Saints. And he throws it downfield, <laughs> and 
it did look like pi i mean it probably was pi they don't call it but that's the rule i mean i wouldn't have known that in if i was in person and didn't have you know twitter so easily accessible to me but that was the, that's the rule i don't know why it is but that's what it is you're allowed to do pi wasn't lining up in punt yeah. formation so well because that, guy, that guy's a gunner right he's just trying to block the guy so to have it be called pi i think Peyton probably didn't know the rule but also he's probably trying to get a holding call um but yeah too bad kick rock sean Payton. yeah and maybe maybe don't run a fake pun on fourth and 18 uh with your backup or whatever you would call Taysom hell like Probably just should have punted and maybe tried to pin the 49ers back. Instead, you give them good field position. His, his so. lover, Mm-hmm. So he's going to complain and cry about it because he's a baby. But let's move off this game and talk about another good game in the AFC. The Ravens went into Buffalo and won 24-17. to And Buffalo really hung around in this game. But what has kind of been the story, and we talked about Josh Allen playing better of late, but when he plays the elite defenses when... It gets into this type of tight game. He just he doesn't have that. He's definitely taken a step, but he's still a little off from that. He's 17 of 39 for 146 yards of touchdown. I was watching the game through red zone, and he was missing a lot of guys. Um, so he's still just he can't get that next step. I think Buffalo has proven the last couple of weeks that they deserve to be in the playoffs, but Josh Allen still just needs to take that one more step for this team to become truly elite. Yeah, and there is some like wind. It's a wind situation going on in Buffalo. They had thirty mile per hour winds, but I agree. Twenty two incompletions in a big game like this, a little disappointing from him, uh, given his recent stretch of of hot play. Lamar had another three touchdowns, and I mean, this game the under hit. The Ravens were five and a half point. Uh, road favorites they cover in this one uh, so we both got that pick wrong I did put in a little teaser on the bills and the under in this game so that was that was a nice hit but I I think I don't know I don't think this game like told us too much about either of these teams I think the Ravens are just the best team in the AFC they continue to get the job done and it's looking more and more like we're gonna have uh the road to the super bowl run through baltimore um and and their game travels in the weather like even in in a windy situation like this against the top defense in the nfl um they do enough and they run as a team for over uh 110 yards 118 yards as a team and lamar only throws for 145 yards but just like did you see his touchdown tyler where they essentially did like the option and the defend the defenders all collapse on him at about the two yard line. And he kind of like just jukes back as he's about to cross the line of scrimmage and tosses uh, the touchdown up to, I think it was Hurst. Um, like that's, that plays literally impossible to guard. Yeah. It was, it was a really impressive play. Just keeps doing things you would do like on your front yard, playing football with your friends and he's doing an NFL game. And like you said, that's kind of impossible for the defense to plan for. You don't know how to, to get that and I thought the Bills defense did a good job they gave up the one long play to uh Hayden Hurst for the touchdown but other than that they they did a good enough job to win that game so Buffalo's defense is definitely legit their offense is just what continues to struggle um but yeah the Ravens continue to roll I think they're they're locked into the one seed barring something crazy so it's gonna be tough out because playing in Baltimore with that run game in the crowd is gonna be really hard to beat 
Mm-hmm. And their schedule's pretty light here on out. They play the Jets next week, but uh, I mean, we're gonna hop in talk about the Pats game shortly here. But I think they're they're in good shape, obviously with the tiebreaker there as well, with only three games left. Um, but yeah, this game was the total opposite of <coughs> the 49ers uh, Saints game. That game had almost a thousand yards. This game, both teams had under 300 yards of total offense. So. It was on the red zone. The Bills were making a nice comeback. They had their chances, but they they aren't able to pull it out and cover. Um, so good job by the Ravens. They just continue to roll. Um, but Chiefs-Pats, <clears throat> the premier game of the late slate, and Tyler, we were both on the Chiefs. We liked them a lot as plus at plus three. Um, and even money line, we both sprinkled a little on the money line. And the Chiefs came to play. They... They dropped to six and four a few weeks back. This is going to be their third one in a row. And the Patriots, uh, I've never seen a team so reliant on just defensive and special teams touchdowns. Um, even last year, the Chicago Bears, <clears throat> their offense was putting up better numbers than what we're seeing out of this uh, Patriots offense. I just can't. It seems like the Pats are the most predictable team in the NFL to kind of try and guard, um, and and they got screwed by some some bad refereeing calls. But I mean, at this point, they've had their fair share uh, of help over the years, so you can't feel too badly about them. But what? Why? Why do any any NFL referees? There should just be a league wide email that goes out: don't blow plays dead ever. Yeah, that was really bad on the Kelsey fumble. That obviously could have been a touchdown or they're taking the ball further down and then the play with i think it was Nikhil harry looked like he might have stepped out they called him out look he did he stayed in bounds it was a touchdown and that was huge because obviously that's a four-point swing and then if the game plays out the, the way it did i mean they could have kicked the field goal at the end and had a chance to send it into overtime and tie it up and end up winning but officiating is just it's been terrible this year it seemed like for a few weeks it had kind of evened out and now it's back in the spotlight. But as you said, Patriots have benefited from their calls over the years when they played Jacksonville in the AFC title game. There was a fumble that was blown dead that would have been returned for a touchdown, probably would have sealed the game for Jacksonville. So it all evens out. I don't think you could get too focused on it. And you mentioned the Patriots are relying on huge turnovers from their defense. And on the offense, they're relying on these trick plays. Their first drive, the touchdown was a flea flicker. They did uh like a running back throw i think at one point it's just mm-hmm. that's that's a sign that your offense isn't good like the 49ers did the one trick play today with sanders throwing it but that was just to catch the saints off guard like patriots are doing this like every week now when they played the eagles um edelman through touchdown so it's just like every week they're doing something like that and you know people will you know, complain Brady doesn't have weapons. All we've heard Brady's career is how he elevates everyone around him. So why now is the shoe on the other foot? And and Skip Bayless, I know he's a troll. He doesn't ever, he doesn't usually get under my skin. I saw this tweet and just annoyed the hell out of me, even though I know he's just trolling. He said, Shannon Sharp has said all year the Pats defense is overrated. He's right. Brady doesn't even have a defense that could have his back. The truth is the Patriots aren't a very good football team outside their quarterback. Like the Patriots defense has won them games, basically all their games this year. And then today, the only reason they're in the game was because of their defense and special teams. So just he's, he's the best at what he does. Him and Stephen A just trolling. You got you. 
He got you. He he got me triggered. So hats off to him. He's doing his job. But drip like, but, Yeah, it's just that's such a like. Ugh, it's annoying. It's okay. You should be better than that. Uh, you just gotta appreciate him for all for all he does. Um, yeah, I mean, this was another game where Brady's stats are so underwhelming. 19 to 36, 169, a touchdown and a pick. And for defenses like the Chiefs that have a pretty decent pass rush, uh, it's probably the strength of their defense, they just dial up the pressure on Brady and try and make him make plays and move around in the pocket. And there's no real deep threat on the Pats, right? So, like kind of hard to have them burn you down the field um so they continue to stumble here they're 10 and 3 at halftime they're getting booed in new england which is something i didn't really understand like the play call were you watching tyler at the end of the first half when it was 27 chiefs pat's got the ball back with about 50 seconds to go they had the ball on their own 40 yard line with 40 seconds they completed like a seven yard pass it was either james white or edelman and then they just like kind of take their sweet time. They don't use their two timeouts at all. Brady ends up getting sacked, but still, even then, say you have third and 12 from your own 40, you're 20 yards, 25 yards uh, potentially away from at least having a shot uh, to try your field goal kicker out, which, I mean, they are really missing. Um, oh, my God, what's his name? Gotskowski. Thank you, Gotskowski. Their kicking situation's a disaster. But, yeah, I mean, give the, let's... Let's give the Chiefs some credit, though. They Their defense played solid. Mahomes did enough. They have, like, really no run game at all. I think they rushed for, let me see here, like, I think it was, like, 40 yards. Nope, sorry, 75 yards as a team. Um, but the Chiefs, at this point, they're, they're underrated and they're dangerous. Um, so I think they'll probably slot themselves into three seed and have they'll probably have to go back into New England uh, this second round of the playoffs. Yeah, and I think that situation you talked about at the end of the first half really says how Belichick feels about the offense. They don't have confidence in it, that they could generate plays at the end of a half. And what really was telling and kind of different, I would say, is Brady ran for that first down at the end of the game. It was on fourth down, and it's a really nice play. He gets up, he's fired up, and they show Belichick, and he he's like fired up. Like You don't ever see that from him. I feel like that's telling that he knows this team isn't as good and they have to scratch and claw their way to score and try to win any game where their defense isn't carrying them. So I thought that was kind of telling. Um, but yeah, credit to the Chiefs that came in here and they kind of took care of business. I know they had to get a stop at the end of the game, but it felt like they did control it for most of it. They had some bad turnovers and stupid mistakes, but for the most part, they played well. And like you said, they're kind of fl- they've been flying under the radar with Lamar, the Patriots, getting all the hype. They've kind of just been doing their own thing. They've won their last three games, and they are only a game back of the Patriots. So the Patriots drop one more game, and the Chiefs went out. They get the two seeds, so they're not completely out of the picture there yet. And I'm also glad we talked about it last week. I put in a bet on the the Chiefs to win the AFC, so I put in before this game. So that's only going to help me for that value that I uh, got. So smart, smart, smart on me. Good job um, of you. Thank you. So, yeah, and if I'm a Patriots fan, I'm definitely concerned. Um, of course, the rest of their schedule is a joke. They play at Cincinnati. Yeah, they still by- play the Bills. They still, and the Bills are only a game back. Yeah, so. but it's it's in, fo- like, it's in Foxborough. Is Josh Allen going to win a game in December in Foxborough? I'd be stunned. Um, we'll see. 
we'll see. I, yeah, we'll see. And then they play, I think, maybe Miami at home. But the offense isn't getting better. And like you said, teams are bringing pressure, and their receivers aren't good enough to get open that quickly. And that's why Brady's holding on to the ball, and he's throwing it away a lot. He's getting hit. So not good when you have a 42-year-old quarterback and he's taking these kind of hits. Yeah, and um, I mean, the bottom line is we're going into week 15, and the Patriots won at the AFC East clinched, uh, which feels like the first time in forever. <clears throat> so that is nice for all of us. Um, other games, kind of quick hitters. Tyler, I think we have to talk about the Bucks real quick and Jameis hitting another over. I think it's like 10 in a row at this point. Um, and I think that should just be a staple of our week-in, week-out bets. Just bet on the Bucks over every week. It's kind of like uh, an investment in a U.S. Treasury. You're going to get a couple percent. It's a pretty safe investment, and you just know what you're getting there. But this is an, literally an every-week thing. They beat the Colts at home, which uh, locks up our Colts under bet. People didn't know we had that. This is their first time listening, probably, because we said on every episode. So good job by us. But yeah, Jameis, 456 yards, four, four touchdowns, three interceptions, threw the ball 45 times. This is why you bet on the Bucks overs. This is this was such a Jameis game. I had the 49ers game on the TV, and then I had Red Zone on my computer. And which this is game just was con- a Bucks game. It's just a Bucks feed. There's the. Sorry, I just cut you off. I apologize. I got excited. The Bucks must have the most screen time on red zone this year. That would be a great stat to see. They're definitely up there. Their games are exciting. And you get the notifications, and it was like, Jameis interception. Jameis, eight, <laughs> like, 60-yard touchdown, whatever. And just what we continue to talk about, this is Jameis. He has so many really great plays, and then he's really bad ones. And this game encapsulated it. And at one point, Schefter tweeted that the backup was in. And... I had the, like I said, I had the 49ers game on, so I thought he got benched because he had been turning it over a lot, and I was really sad, but I think he just got banged up, and but he came back in. And another nice win for the Bucs are 6-7. and seven. Um, They're not going to make the playoffs, but this just gets you thinking, like, ooh, can we bring Jameis back? And uh-huh. maybe if he's able to cut down on these turnovers, we improve our defense. Can they you know, turn into anything? But a he's, good win for he's, he's gonna be a starter somewhere next year. This is actually my pipe dream now that I think about it. Jameis on the Raiders with John Gruden in Vegas. That would be electric. I I would love if he somehow ended up on the Bears in Chicago with the winds. <laughs> His throws would be going everywhere. That would be great. And for the Colts, just another game that feels like they should have won. They're six and seven. Brissett didn't play well. I'm so tired about hearing about the Colts and how great Jacoby Brissett is, how great Frank Reich is, their GM. Like I was saying to Jared, my roommate, over the offseason, they had so much money and they didn't really spend it. And it's clear that this team has holes. Their um, receivers, like outside of T.Y. Hilton, they don't have anybody. It's like they had so much money to go make a move and sign someone like a John Brown who wasn't even that expensive that the um, Bills guy who's been really good. Like, they didn't add anybody, so I'm so sick of the Colts. Um, and it just goes back to that argument I had with my friend where he's saying Jacoby Brissett was better than uh, Jimmy G. And as you know, Cody, I have a pretty good memory. Um, so I'm not going to forget he said that. And every week, Jimmy G continues to play well. I'm going to rub that in his face. Um, so I'm happy for that. I'm, I'm happy for you as well, Tyler. Um, so... Again, Bucks continue being must-see TV there. Um, but, Tyler, we're going to do our lock of the week recap for your 
game and then we'll take a break right now it's uh two minutes ago in this first quarter the total is currently at 10 rams are winning let's go rams uh, but we will start with you tyler so you were you still are the leader in the clubhouse um, in the lock of the week record. Uh, a little deep sigh there into the mic. I'm sure all our listeners appreciated that. Um, but the Raiders laid a dud for you. So how'd that feel? It was it was tied 21-21 at halftime. I felt pretty good going into the second half. Their offense was moving the ball well. I thought at home maybe they could uh, end up pulling this one out. But Tennessee just continues to be my nightmare. Um, you know, I... I bet against them, I lose. I bet on them, I can't win. So I just can't get them right. And they continue to roll the overs. What is it, 7-0 now? With, seven in a row. Every with, every game he started, the overs hit. With Tannehill. So, and I was watching, and he just ma- is like making unreal throws. It's like, who the hell is this guy? Ryan Tannehill's been in the league for six, seven years now, and he's just always been like kind of average, not really that good. And now he's on Tennessee, and he's been amazing. And it was, like I said on the Pick'em Pod, there's like two to three things that always happen in Tennessee <laughs> win. A long touchdown, uh, either throwing or Derrick Henry, a special teams defensive touchdown or some trick play. Well, that happened. It's like the Tennessee Titans parlay of bullshit to win a game. So <laughs> they were they were backed up in their own territory. The Raiders blitz are about to sack Tannehill in the end zone, potentially for a safety. He just heaves one up. A.J. Brown's wide open downfield, scores a 91-yard touchdown. So that was devastating. And then they got the defensive touchdown that you know sealed the game. So they continue to roll, and they're pretty dangerous. Like, I really wouldn't want to play them. <laughs> they're good. Yeah, they're, they're really good. They're Tannehill, good. Tannehill's numbers were insane. 21-27, 391, three touchdowns. And he ran for 19 yards. He's like, he's mobile. Um, Ryan Tannehill looks like he's going to get paid at the end of the season. Yeah, I, th- I think I saw Tennessee's going to either franchise him or give him a contract. So he's he's earned it the way he's been playing. And there was one touchdown he threw to Jonu Smith is on play action bootleg. He's going right. Smith's going left. He just throws off his back foot, like absolute dime to him in the end zone. <laughs> it's just like, what am I watching? Is this Ryan Tannehill or is this like, prime Peyton Manning so he's been great Derrick Henry's a freaking beast I mean anytime he touches the ball it seems like there's no chance of the defense tackling him he had another 100 yard game two touchdowns and for the Raiders I mean the all the excitement that was there a few weeks ago has kind of died down and it's sad to see and what's kind of an underlying storyline is when we did the preview pod you're first team total lock or whatever was Raiders under six and it's still at six it still hasn't alive the push is alive I didn't know if you're gonna mush it but uh uh-huh thought about it as well yeah it still hasn't lost I think they play Jacksonville at home next week I'm sure they'll win that game but it's still alive for now um and their once promising season continues to fall apart their defense I mean is horrible when I was watching there was just no chance they were gonna stop Tennessee so they definitely need some improvements there and Derek Carr I think continues to remain a question mark if he'll actually be on the team next year yeah I mean the bottom line is their remaining schedule although they are six and seven is very very light they're home versus the Jags at the Chargers at Denver to close out so again still three winnable games but seems like water's kind of found its level in Oakland. Um, but, yeah, so, Tyler, we will take a quick break here, um, and then we will be back following Sunday Night Football where hopefully I am joyous on an undefeated day. Um, 
But even more importantly than that, um, let's go Rams. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable with rubbing some dirt on it rather than seeing a doctor. I know I'm guilty of it myself whenever I try to relive my glory days on the basketball court. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. And getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. So we are back. It is 1024 Central Time. Rams just defeated the Seahawks 28 to 12. Second time this year, Cody has done a Sunday night lock, and it's a loser. Um, so I want to thank you, Cody, for making me uh, stay up and watch this game because I was hoping to go to sleep early tonight, get a good night of rest. But, you know, had to stay up to watch your lock, and it was a loser. So thanks for that. Yeah, you, you poor thing. 1025 there. Central time. Just another day at the office for me, uh, staying up late, an extra hour on you and, and your bullshit excuses about being tired. I don't want to hear it. Uh, yeah, this is the second time I've done this myself um, for whatever reason. I mean, I jinxed myself earlier recording mm-hmm. saying this is the I'm undefeated today. Um, and Seattle laid a total dud. So great for the 49ers. They came out, looked terrible. The Rams offense was moving the ball early in the first half. I was like, this is great. They're going to get up. Russell Wilson will do his thing. They'll score 20 and hopefully the Rams will win. And, uh, I mean, the Seattle's offense didn't score a touchdown this game, so pathetic performance by them. Goff even helped out through that pick six. Of course, got the mix, missed extra point. We had a blocked field goal. Uh, we had some stalled possessions. We had uh, Goff driving. Um, and in in Seattle territory, he throws a bad pick when they're kind of on the, on the brink of potential field goal range. So... This game, after I tweeted out how it was on track for the over when it was 14 to three, essentially everything went to crap after that. Um, and even Seattle kind of they teased us at the end there with their last drive. They'd fourth and 18, I think it was. Russell Wilson does his classic thing, completes bullshit pass over the middle. Uh, they drive the ball. They they tease you a bit, but they just never. I mean, they never really had a chance. They, they even like he missed the on the their second to last possession when they kicked the field goal. He had the guy open over the middle on the crossing pattern. I don't even know which one of their random wide receivers it was. It wasn't one of the wasn't Josh Gordon Metcalf or Lockett. So it's one of these random irrelevant guys. He didn't even get his hands up. He was open for a touchdown. Um, so even even in a game where Seattle loses and I'm happy that they lose and look the way they did and kind of get exposed by the fact that they're 
I don't think they're that great of a team. Um, they screw me. So I, I hate the Rams. The Rams, Goff does this too, where he like looks great on some drives and then he just stinks um, on others. So yeah, I'm sorry I made you stay up till like 8:30 there. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, but I tweeted out at halftime to you that it was over. I was partially doing it just to annoy you and troll you, but I just it. Even though on pace at halftime it was going to go over, just didn't have the feeling of that. The Rams were eating up a lot of clock on their drives, and Seattle's offense wasn't getting anything going. They tried the fake, or the, sorry, the, um, what do you call it, the trick play with Cooper Cup throwing it. The guy was open, doesn't hit him. Then they get the field goal block. Like, just everything was going against us. So that was unfortunate. But like you said, happy Seattle lost. Um, and I don't want to sound like a bitter 49er fan because Seattle beat us a few weeks ago, but Seattle just, like, tonight got exposed. They're not that good. They're 10-2, and two, but if you look at the stats and you three. took away their 10-3, and three, keep doing that. Um, if you look at their stats, they, they're they not, like, as good as their record indicates. So I'm looking at the standings in the NFL right now and sorted by point differential. Seattle's a 20 is plus 20 point differential. The Chargers, who are 5-8, and eight, have a better point differential than them. So it says a lot that Seattle's won all these close games. It's credit to Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. They know how to win and execute in clutch spots. But at some point, that catches up to you, and it's either that's just how you're going to win or you're going to start losing some games because you're not that great. So caught up then tonight. Rams played well, and you know they're only a game out. It felt like they were kind of dead in the water. But they're, they're coming on. They play Dallas next week. That's a big game. Both teams kind of going in opposite direction. So that's a huge game. It feels like the six teams in the NFC playoffs have just been kind of like locked up for most of the season. But the Rams are only one game back of Minnesota. Yeah, they're they're hanging around. Um, and that defense is starting to come into form. My biggest issue with Seattle here is they kept trying to establish the run game with Chris Carson today. And it just wasn't happening for this team. Um, I think you have... At this point, it's Lamar Jackson's MVP, but you have Russell Wilson, who was kind of the front runner for MVP for a majority of the season here. Just like open it up. You have a lot of weapons on the outside. You have Hollister, who's kind of emerged as a nice tight end as well. In addition to the wide receivers, like just open open the game up. Um, and uh, yeah, so that it's kind of annoying there. Um, I mean, I. I guess Chris Carson did average five yards a carry, but I don't know. That seems deceiving no. to me. No, I agree with you. They, I mean, they did it last year in that playoff game versus Dallas. Like, they just kept trying to run the ball when clearly it wasn't working. And that seems to be, I think, Schottenheimer's their offensive coordinator. He used to be with the Jets. Like, sometimes you just have to let Russell Wilson take over and make plays outside the pocket. I, I didn't understand their game plan, but Rams defense – has played really well and continues to do well. But let's move on to our Grandpa Billy's bum of the week, Cody. I'll let you get started. Oh, wait, quickly. Updated lock of the week record standings. I'm 9-5 and five and you're 7-7? Seven seven? Mm-hmm. Dark okay. days. Up, Dark days. Up, up two with three to go. But let's move on to Grandpa Billy's bum of the week. <laughs> we got be a damn shame if you blow this one um yeah so my grandpa billy's bum the week i'm going to the college basketball ranks and i'm going with our very own indiana hoosiers they come off a big win tuesday night in the big 10 acc tournament or uh, classic over florida state a ranked team who's playing very well 
and they go on the road to Wisconsin team that was four and four, kind of struggling, not the same Wisconsin team from years past. And, you know, this is a young Indiana basketball team, but to come out and look as flat as they did in this game, uh, that is why they are my grandpa Billy's bum of the week. And Tyler, you know this. Well, I've been beating the drum on the IE basketball bandwagon that they're better than people are giving them credit for. They're deeper. Um, they have more guys that can make plays. And this game made me eat crow a little bit. I'm not, I'm not off the bandwagon by any means, but the reason I'm giving them the grandpa billy's bum of the week award is they they haven't won a game there at the Cole center since 1998 which is pathetic right so there have been better iu teams that have won in there and lost but just the way this team showed up was really embarrassing going down 47 27 in the first half now wisconsin basketball scores like 50 something points a game so if you give up that many it was gross they're like kobe king who i don't know who that is he had his career high against us 24 points um and this team just never really got going um i think it's one of the things spoke about it last year with archie miller he doesn't seem to do a good job of getting people to perform in the first half and come out fired up. It wasn't really an issue versus Florida State, but he's he's I think he I do still think he's a good in-game coach, but I think he leaves a bit to be desired when it comes to being the rah-rah guy. I think he needs a little more Tom Crean and your boy cheerleader Allen in that respect. <laughs> Maybe, but it, yeah, it was just disappointing, especially the way they played Tuesday night so Great versus Florida State, and that was a huge top 25 win. And then to drop a dud like this, I mean, we've seen it time and time again with IU, whether it was Archie Miller or Tom Crean as a coach, where they come off a great home win at Assembly Hall, they go on the road and drop a dud. And Wisconsin was 4-4 four and four coming to the game, barely scoring, and they had 47 at halftime. Mm-hmm. It's it's pathetic. I mean, defensively, I don't know what their game plan was going in, but that completely fell apart. I don't want to overreact too much because Wisconsin, I guess, was the more desperate team. It's early in the season, but they needed a good win, try to write some momentum back their way. So they came out with their hair on fire. Maybe it could be a good thing to get kind of punched in the mouth like this early in the season, and it gives them something to build on. They were undefeated coming in. I mean, they, their first seven games, they didn't really play anyone, and then they had the good win on Tuesday, so maybe they were feeling a little too high and mighty at that point, so maybe this will bring them down to earth. But the Archie Miller thing, I'm starting to get a little nervous um, if he's the guy, I guess, because you look at a team like Louisville and a team like Ohio State who are both ranked in the top ten, Chris Mack and... Chris Holman. Chris Holman. Yep. Those were two guys that were kind of mentioned to get the IU job when they fired Crean. They didn't hire them. They hired Archie. Those two teams have had great success. IU's been up and down. Hasn't made the tournament yet. Um, I still believe in Archie, but this trend of them coming out slow in games and not looking like motivated and excited to be there, it's concerning. We'll see what happens. Maybe this is a good thing and get punched in the mouth early in the Big Ten, but. Just something to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they come into the city. They play at Madison Square Garden Tuesday versus UConn, so that's another tough game, kind of temperature-taking game. We'll see really what they're made of. Um, Tyler, who's your Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week? Yeah, so my Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week coming back to this week in the NFL. It's Baker Mayfield. Um, mm. I, don't know if you, I don't know if you saw his quote after the game. About, about OBJ. Yeah, it was just it was so irritating, and... 
on the first note, Baker just looks awful. Like he looks like someone who's been living in Cleveland is just like physically deteriorating. Um, used to be like a pretty cool looking guy. And now he just kind of looks like a bum. Um, but his quote, they asked him about Odell's injury. It came out today that he might need surgery after the year. He's been playing through an injury all year. And he said, Baker said, I'd say that it wasn't handled right. He's not able to run as well as he should be able to, as well as he knows. And that's frustrating for him. Yada, yada, yada. And then he says, it wasn't handled the right way in our training room. It is what it is. His not a hundred percent is still good enough for us. Like, kind of throwing the medical staff under the bus. Like, you don't do that. You're the quarterback of the team. You're supposed to be a leader. You shouldn't be calling out the medical staff about this. This seems like something that says internal. Um, and he tweeted out after the game, or later on in the day, apologizing, said that's not what he meant to do. Um, he didn't want to throw anyone under the bus. He doesn't know the full extent of the Odell injury. So don't talk about it. This guy, this team always talks. Last week, Freddie Kitchen was wearing that. Pittsburgh started it, uh, started the fight shirt. They get, they lose to the Pittsburgh. Like this team just needs to shut up and just play. Like, and then they get annoyed when people in the media, I guess that includes us, like us, come at them and criticize them for this. And it's just like a circle. It's been all year. Just shut the f up and play. <laughs> just stop calling people out and and just just play the game. Like they won today, but the story out of the game is this. It's it's so annoying. It's, I mean, it's what we've come to expect from this team at this point. And this is a Baker Mayfield performance. It's not like he's coming in off a nice game, feeling all high and mighty on his high horse, sticking up for his buddy OBJ. He completed 11 out of 24 passes today through two interceptions. Yeah, they won this game, but it felt like every time they cut to it on red zone, he was throwing an interception. Um, <laughs> Baker, Baker Mayfield stinks. He's washed up. Um and uh, yeah, I agree. I'm sick of this team. Um, he's, he's washed up as, as a second year quarterback. He, he's but, washed up. He's washed up. It is 11:37. People are forgetting how late it is. Um, but yeah, I I think this Brown team is an absolute train wreck. I kind of hope they bring back Freddie Kitchens next year because it's pretty entertaining, uh, week in week out. But in terms of actual football, they continue to. Just kind of underwhelm, um, and I don't know if you're if you're a Browns fan. I don't. I think you're ready for this season to be done. Yeah, I mean Baker went 11 and 24, 192 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. He did a run for one, and just like they won 27 to 19 versus the one and 12 Bengals. It wasn't a game they played particularly well on offense. They just kind of won because Cincinnati's terrible. So I don't know, like. I didn't have Freddie Kitchens on the list of coaches who should be fired, but if the Browns like want to be good and they have talent on their roster, I think you do have to pull the trigger and bring in like a guy who could actually control this team and bring some maturity to it, whether that be a Ron Rivera, a Mike McCarthy, just someone like that, because this team does have a lot of talent on it. They just kind of need someone to mold it together, so... I don't know, but they, they provide these storylines every week. And when I saw that quote today, I was like, okay, that's my bum of the week. It's a pretty easy choice. It's easy. It's nice when you could spot it like that. But um, Tyler, you got you got anything else or are you falling asleep on me? <laughs> One last point. I, I noticed this today watching the Sunday Night Countdown show, which I think is underrated on NBC. I think it's pretty good. But they uh, – they, the, pre, you know, the, pre, the pregame show? Yeah, with Mike Tirico, Tony mm-hmm. Dungy. I think Rodney I think it's Harrison. good. 
Ronnie no, Harrison's I, picks are so bad. He's like, that, is that what you're going to bring up? Yeah, going into tonight, he was 3-11. and 11, And no one on the show had an over... I guess now Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy are 8-7. and seven, Just straight up, not against the spread. Just yeah. picking the winners. So going into tonight, no one on that show had an over 500 record. And Ronnie Harrison played in the NFL, really good player, 3-11. and 11. Like, he, he picked the Rams, so now he's 4-11. and 11. How does that happen? That's... It's pretty uh, pathetic. I think we'd clean up. It makes me feel a lot better about being 500 on my lock of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's to have that beer straight up record. That's tough. So poor Rodney. Um, good for him. He got the win. Kind of similar to your lock of the week record last year, I think. Right. All right. So that's all we got <laughs> for uh, this week's Sunday Scaries Pod. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> and we'll be back with a new Pick'em Pod this week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.